What's up, fam? Welcome to your second Baha'i or home at Theophilos Podcast. Here we have conversations about our passions, life, and we share our own experiences in trying to get this shit. We care about what you're doing, and this is the place to express that. My name is Ron Dizon, and I am the janitor of the sponsor, Theophilo Coffee Company, where the journey's never over. Enough of all this talk. Let's take it over to the episode of the At Theophilos Podcast. Ron, mic test. Uh, test, test. I think it's working. Yeah, your audio is okay too. Mine is okay? Yeah, sounds pretty good. Oh, okay. Sweet. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Finally, we, we, we're doing the podcast now. <laughs> it's been nice. Yeah. It's been I nice. know, I know. Um, well, first, uh, I wanted you to go ahead and, and introduce yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, how? <laughs> Let me think about that. Yeah, so I'm Jamiro Campo. I um, basically I founded the brand uh, Chaalaya Teas. It's basically a local tea brand here in the Philippines, and uh, we're on a mission to really just keep discovering all types of local ingredients that we can elevate as a as a tea ingredient and as a tea experience. So having said that, I, if you're going to look at me in this company, I still see myself as the chief herbolario. So what do I mean by that? You know, uh, if you heard about that, they are uh, about herbolario, ambulario here in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So basically, they are the, in the good old days, like sort of a shaman trying to use local herbs or any other plants as a sort of medicinal remedies. So I still keep that passion and I still work on that at least for the brand to just keep uh, you discovering and using and playing around all types of ingredients for our tea flavors for Chalaya. And also currently though, at, at the business level, I'm managing the company now as the CEO. And I, I guess, um, how did, how did this all begin for you? Is this a run in the family for you or is this something that... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how did that all start, you know, for you? When, this, when did it actually start for you? Yeah, that's quite a long answer, but yeah, let me figure it out. I think in terms of passion for, for the plants, no, I definitely I just have fascination about plants. I'm, I'm, born, in, uh, I'm born in Baguio. You know, you, mm-hmm. you've been to Baguio? Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. Okay, okay. So I think I, I'm still in love with my birth region, Cordillera region. So I'm from, I'm from the mountains, and up there, there's still level of, you know, a level of mountain landscape. Of course, the old pine trees and old trees, and at least for the Cordillera region, there's a nice way of vegetation to explore, and it's just that I'm exposed to all types of plants and the forest scene up there in the region. So there's just really this affinity to plants. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it runs down in the family. I have 
a number of weird uncles who are into sort of acting like an herbolario as well. Like they, they, they like using different types of plants uh, for their own home remedy. I get to be curious about some of the relatives. But I think that's also quite... Also, I mean, I mean uh, that's happening to Filipino families, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's like a cultural thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we still have our modern medicine here. But yeah. I can say in the Philippines, in every island, there's even at... Especially with our grandparents or even with, with, with our parents... There is a local knowledge as well of using all types of plants here for 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 uh, home home base. Like yeah, medicinally, yeah. So I see that a lot going on with my family. But I think my passion for tea per se really went deeper when I got to also stay in Japan. I spent my master's study there. And that's how I got ex- really exposed. On just the daily, the deep philosophy, and more than that, the daily practice of tea drinking, mm-hmm. uh, staying in Japan. So I got to be very more passionate about tea drinking, uh, staying there for almost uh, for more than two years. Wow! And um, but then I realized we don't really have tea in the Philippines. We're not colonized to to have any tea in the Philippines. Uh, the Camellia sinensis plant, it's hundred percent imported. As of now, uh, uh, maybe there are some small attempts, but it was never an industrial crop to begin with in the Philippines, and right. that's where the the exploration went. That if you don't have tea here, if you don't have the Camellia sinensis plant, what actually other plants or other herbs that we can use to adopt the way of the tea? Basically, the you know the tea of the the, the principle of stillness of wellness drinking that we associate to Camellia sinensis tea plant. That's where Charlie came in. Mm. And, and I guess when when did this start for you? So you said you were in Japan for for studying tea, yeah. or mm-hmm. I spent I studied I had my masters in Japan, particularly in Kyoto, for about two years, number of months around in Osaka. So I studied there masters in environmental management. So same thing close to my affinity with 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 uh, nature, with forestry, with ecology. That's also where I took my master's on. And mm-hmm. I got also to at least um, a collateral of that of studying there is really getting exposed to the to the tea practices of Japan. Like a ceremon- ceremonial tea. Yeah. Um, I think from the from the formal traditions, but even more on the daily practices. Like what I'm astonished in Japan, I was like, I remember my my postgrad days. You go to a school canteen, and then they have this water dispenser, and it's, they also have the same dispenser for cold and hot tea. It's just it's literally like water in Japan. Uh-huh. That uh, it's just a big jug, the same size of water with. With a green tea and a black tea, so like, even at that daily practice itself was more for me. Other than, of course, the the the, the um, experiencing the, the the tea ceremony, I have classmate doing the sado, mm-hmm. the, the the Japanese art of of of, of tea serving. Um, but I'm more fascinated how it actually just been normalized in the daily living of Japanese. 
And then you get to compare that with Filipinos because it's still my origin, right? Mm-hmm. And this actually, well, at least I think for Filipinos, it's more linked, more on the wellness, more on the... Like, yeah, like her, herbal, um, more natural yeah. um, teas. And, and I guess, so what year is this now? Like, so were you already into teas before you went to Japan? Sort of, sort of, but maybe not as, as, as fascinated as I am after staying in Japan. But I always, even before going to Japan, I'm just interested about herbs, you know, all types of herbs. Maybe, you know, maybe even the, the non-legal ones here and we'll be hopefully there, you know, the, even the, the marijuana, for example, it's not yet legalized here in, in, in the Philippines. But we yeah. are just studying the power of herbs and the plants and the personality revolving around plants, particularly with herbs. They're small shrub, right? And mm-hmm. every type like basil, um, sage, all this have this, this particular personality in terms of flavor and aroma. Mint has what? So much variety in itself. Apple mint, lemon mint. It's just so much flavor and so much distinct aroma. That's just it's it's just like crayons to play around, you know, whether yeah. you come up with a tea or for 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 food. Uh so even before I as I said, I I think I see myself as a herbolario. Uh trying to not just use herbs not just for tea or for beverage. I just like also using it for aromatherapy or just putting it also on pasta. But I guess the and even after now, I'm trying. I'm also involved. I'm I'm trying to be involved again on essential oils of herbs, but it was really yeah. It it was more in the Japan experience that led me more focused now on tea, on tea drinking, and also trying to understand the way of tea drinking or the infusion drinking in the Philippines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sorry. So, what year did you start, uh, ch- uh, ch- Chalaya? Yeah, Chalaya. I think that around almost I think almost a decade ago. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, congrats, congratulations, man. You're 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 in the double you're in the double digits, man. Uh, It was a long, slow burn. Uh, um, (laughs) If okay, maybe the origin really started when um, definitely. Are you, are we still here? I think my yeah. Okay, I don't have my computer. Um, I remember um the after I I I after I got after I graduated in, from Japan and just tried to find work here. That was around uh, 2011. 2011, and this there's actually a link here, uh, Ron. If I may explain. So yeah, yeah. you remember the Ondoy? If you heard about the Ondoy, the big typhoon that hit Manila mm-hmm. almost ten years ago, 20, 20 then. I that 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 typhoon that hit Manila. The night that night, I was actually uh, traveling back to Manila Airport to go back to Japan because I'm still doing my masters there, and it so happened I'm in the Philippines, and I got to. I was fortunate enough the typhoon came and the day after i managed to get back the flight back to the to japan and i saw manila in all its brown madness yeah mud and madness 
and it was just oh i would like to work on something if i go back in the philippines again and, and do something probably about uh maybe uh what's happening about urban policy city development you know just something to do about typhoon and maybe mm-hmm. you can get to climate change and all but it's just that it's just a very graphic image that when i left philippines in when i believe 2009 i forgot the year when doi came and i come back to japan i just said i hope i could do something about i don't know contributing how how adaptive we are how we can cope with this with this disastrous typhoon happening in the country but it's just some some musings anyway when i went back to the philippines around 2011 hopefully i hope my memory is right 2011 2010 i i just happened to work with with the commission on human rights and ended up working with uh, urban urban poor communities here in manila that were relocated to kalawan due to ondoy so that was just like a random connection okay Hello. That kind of link. Years before. Sorry, let me just fix. Is my audio okay, Parenron? Let me check yeah, it my. Yeah, uh, it dropped off a little bit. Yeah, I think let me fix first my. I'll, sure, I'll sure. transfer to a better net connection. No worries. Hello, am I back? Yeah, you're back. So I'm looking at uh, when uh, Typhoon Andoy yeah. happened. It was September 26, 2009, dude. Okay, that's it. That's it. Damn. So I got back. I got back, I believe. Sorry, this has been a decade ago, Ron. <laughs> so, Jeez, no, man. That's that's awesome, man, dude. That's uh, like You should be so proud of yourself, man. Like That's 10 years. That's double digits, bro. Double digits. Um. So when I got back, I, I, I believe I went back 2010. I believe I went back 2010. Um, I just so happened to work with with communities going to the relocate, relocation area. And this relocation area is in Laguna. And they housed a number of typhoon, Ondoy typhoon victims who were located there. So like, okay, that's a random connection. I'll just make use out of this. And during my work with the Human Rights Commission, it's just basically, you know, I always say this, when you tell to people that things are going to be all right after relocation or if you're going to be transferred out of the city and be transferred somewhere else, it will be all right. But there's a level of guilt with that because you're not really, you know, it's not going to be all right. Or at least you don't know the future for, for the people you're talking to and you're trying to make empty promises. I mean, that's only what you can do. You just have to make a report when I was working with the government. Um. And they're always term when I remember I remember the people I've interviewed, the informal set somehow the the those inf- in uh, those displaced, you know, the the urban poor, the informal settlers who were relocated, they said we don't wanna be thrown to Kalawan. I think the Filipino word is Ayonaming Itapon sa Kalawan. So the term is it's a wasteland. We don't wanna be thrown there. Mm-hmm. Um so again that that mark on me, uh probably I was personally challenged if trying to make empty promises on behalf of the government at the time. So I just decided to, to just check on the community and visit. And probably then you just realize it's really not a housing solution when we talk about 
relocation, resettlement, and urban planning. If you want to decongest cities, it's not just about housing, right? Because this is a housing project for relocated residents. I think it's all down about livelihood, rural livelihood. And so uh, that's where I try to take on that cue. It's more of a livelihood question for people to decongest cities and 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 find a sustainable living, a life at the countryside, so at Laguna. So basically, uh, fast moving around, um, fast forward, uh, I tried to join a social enterprise competition at the time. I got to be challenged. I do want to do have a livelihood project with this, uh, with the with this typhoon victim communities in Laguna. I joined the social enterprise competition, had a 100,000 startup fund, and the rest is history. That's just how it rolled. Um, but maybe what worked for us, Chalaya, so basically, just to emphasize, is definitely our origin is with the social enterprise movement in the Philippines. And looking back for 10 years, it, yeah, you're kind of proud. You make me proud because there's a lot of generation, particularly of the millennial generation, for this past decade that really tried to, you know, you know, uncover the path, unexplored path of entrepreneurship, so much so of making it even more uncertain of trying to juggle both social work and business into the social enterprise formula. And definitely, Ron, you will discover more and more social entrepreneurs here in the country that have been trying to survive, and not just to survive, but to thrive in the past decade. I definitely belong to that wave of social entrepreneurs. And um, But I think particularly for Chaalaya, the, 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 how somehow it tends to thrive because we really work on local herbs that are just climate resilient. And that they can just thrive whether flooding or drought. You know, in the Philippines, it's just the two weather. So we ended up using first easy crops, easy herbs that can not that won't be too demanding for our rural farmers to work on. And that's why we focus first on local herbs that are very adaptive to the weather of a particular community. And that makes it sustainable for, mm. for our education partners. But more than that, because uh, we we just don't really just procure, we develop the herbal processing within the within the Kalawan community, within the relocation area. So we create multiple jobs and 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 uh, various value chains happening. So we have our gardening, we have our own tea processing and mini packaging happening inside Kalawan. So that was sustained for 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 for, for almost a decade until pandemic hit, of course, and we're now slowly recovering. But what we realize is when we were doing this, this mini livelihood project almost a decade ago is there's so much ingredients here. There's just so much. And because probably Philippines, we are in the tropical diversity belt, right? One of the biodiverse countries as well. There's so many herbs to play around when it comes to developing tea recipe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and um, the, the funny thing is, is that uh, I don't know, during the pandemic, right? I know I was seeking, um, and, and I think Chalaya had, had came up. And, uh, and I, I think I hit up, uh, it might have been Denise, or it might have been you. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys mentioned that, yeah, maybe, like, it wasn't a good time. And then, like, a year <laughs> later. It, it, it was the pandemic time, like, 20, 
I think so. Yeah. I, I, I hit you guys up. And then like a year later, I think Denise had hit me up. And I was like, Oh, we're, we're back in business. I'm like, let's go, you know, I'm ready to go. So it's just crazy to, you know, to fast forward to where we are now. We're actually about to launch the, you know, the tea partnership here in, in SoCal. So I think it's, you know, this is awesome, man. Like what you guys are doing. And that's why we definitely want to work with you guys to, you know, expose it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, if I'm sorry for about that. Yeah, it's definitely this pandemic. No. Wow, it was a both. It, it's kind of like, uh, how do you say this? It's, 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 I don't know, I don't want to say wonderful, but it was a reboot. It was definitely a good reboot for us Yeah. as well to really fix things. Uh, it was a good time to pause and really check how we how can we really like get into the serious mode of scaling this up mm-hmm. uh, both impact social impact at the business level um because we do have we have the humble years of testing the brand testing the market so it's really a matter of almost like you're looking back almost almost years and decades of of trying the brand here in the philippines and finding your champions Business champions, individuals. We have, for example, Bose Coffee. It's a local cafe here as well. Oh, yeah, we have, really. we have uh, if I remember, also a number of of, of good, uh, great fine dining or food restaurant concept here supporting the tea brand like Kapag, if I remember, or even Gallery Basque. Um, but then it's always the case. It's more a case of being, we're still being, we have been a startup for a while, right? Yeah. Uh, social enterprise startup starting about 2011 but there is a time to break that ceiling but then when you're trying to break that ceiling pandemic happened yeah <laughs> and of course health protocols we have a we have a different way of lockdown here in the philippines oh yeah i know you guys are locked down for a while too yeah so it's really hard to operate we have to really also transfer now also within the community scale up the factory so i guess the pandemic was was Somehow, we, we the best way to use for it for us is while business is suspended to really germinate better structure and a better outlook and better strategy for the brand. And and probably this is this is also a wonderful time with the opening of the economy here in the Philippines. I know you're more advanced there in the US. Um it's it's just like the race has been restarted, and mm-hmm. now you're probably more aware, me personally about myself and the team and about my team and also the people around it on, on now probably this is the time to 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 break through finally out of a startup and and, and find that confidence to really scale it up because you somehow you survived the pandemic and you've been surviving for several years we must be thriving now right so so um yeah, so really exciting years ahead. And actually, what I'm trying to figure out is we've definitely been, you guys, you at Teofilo, are, are several of the Filipino entrepreneurs globally out there that we've seen a trend also of reaching out here in our local economy and, and really trying to to showcase not just the roots, but more especially the creativity of Filipino talents that we have here, and even particularly in the culinary field, I mean, we've been seeing people in Euro- um, Filipino entrepreneurs in Europe, in Australia, 
trying also to check on the on the brand and how they can really showcase it to their own market. So I guess it's also other than the reopening, I do see this global trend for at least for the Filipino entrepreneurs, whether here in the Philippines and abroad, of trying to come up with this new wave of exploring Filipino products and even Filipino identity, no? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you're, you're hitting, you know, a, a topic that, you know, I, I keep on talking about that it's it's definitely our time, you know, it's like, I feel that our, our, our you know, uh, being Filipino here and like we, we haven't like broke out of, um, into, in, into the world, right? But now it, it's it's like totally different now. I think you're starting to see a little bit more of this like uh, a wave of like just Filipinos, just like if not you're an athlete, you're you're a businessman, you're there's just a lot more now. So I, I I'm I'm very very proud to be Filipino now. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, yeah, it, it was totally different. We heard about this, the Filipino food movement, and yeah, why for, on the early years why we're not breaking through, unlike Thai food. Right or I don't know. Yeah, uh, Japanese, Chinese, Japanese or Indonesian food might be even yeah. like ahead. But yeah, yeah. But I think there's something going on here now, and we are trying to also some take up space and building our identity. But if I may share about yeah. Chalaya, um, even when I was doing Chalaya, and we can link this to Filipino identity as well. You know, Philippines is not a tea drinking nation. And not a tea drinking uh, producer, not a tea producer, right? We don't have mm-hmm. Camila Sinensis. So actually, when that's also like a perceived notion, even here, when I was doing the brand, and you have that kind of preconception of what Filipino market is or what Filipino identity is, because they say we're not a tea drinking country, we're not a tea producing country. So you tend to get, you tend to like break through that, that kind of perception first, right? That, that assumption. Mm-hmm. And I tend, and I realized it was just so funny. I realized in my in my in my bazaar days, selling it on trade fair and all, I used to sell hot tea on summer days, in the middle of the hot sun here in the Philippines. It doesn't make sense, right? It's hot. So, but later on we pivot, of course, to cold brew and all. But the mm-hmm. thing is, uh, you were trying to like break through certain uh, preconceived notions about what a Filipino tea tea what the Filipino is about as a tea drinker and as as a tea producer. But then when you get to break through that, there's actually so many practices of maybe not the camela sinensis, but the tea drinking practices of herbals, right? We have mm-hmm. so much herbal teas. We have so much herbal traditions. Like we have, for example, salabat, right? The mm-hmm. Ginger and all that with Yeah, my mom drink. drinks that all the time. <laughs> yeah, that is that explains. Or yeah. even, or even our, even let's just ask our friends from the rural, from the rural areas, they have actually particular leaves that they want to drink in terms of a particular mood or particular like for digestion. They'll just get guava, mm-hmm. I don't know, or or for example, uh, they, they 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 took the the all types of barks from Guyabano. If you go at every island here in the Philippines, actually there's so much local knowledge of using. Uh, medicinal plants for for decoction and for infusion, so that actually breaks through the preconceived notion. We might not be uh, a camelosinensis producer, but there is a variety of tea drinking practices here. But there is really one 
when I was doing this, and this is partly my own research, because going back to my home region in Cordillera, the, the Cordilleran people, which, you know, you know, this is basically, we have a more established Cordilleran roots, right, of various um, mountain land ethnicity, my friends from the Ifugao, from the Kankanae, from the Ibaloy tribes. And I had, I, I had my own phase before the pandemic of what I call tea hunting. Like, I, I, I spent some time like just hiking around the Cordilleran Mountain, checking on what herbs they're using uh, and what plant they're using for their own teas. Gosh, just Cordillera region alone, every province, they use particular plant. They dry particular plants for their, for, for their infusion. And the term, the term they use is Icha. Okay, Icha. Icha. And Icha is actually, you will originate that from the word Cha. And cha is an old word that's not been changing all around the base word for tea. Ocha in Chinese, cha for Japanese. And if you're going to look at the etym etymology of the tea, the word tea, there are only two permutations that happened around the two major. It's te and cha. So I was like, at least in terms of geeking out over language, how did the Cordilleran people came up with the term icha and ascribe it? To, the, to their own local tea drinking practice. So like some 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 inter, some um, residents I interviewed, for example, in the high mountains of Mountain Province, uh, they said that some Japanese introduced them to them, the, the cha before, but that's just some of, maybe that's just for further research. What I'm saying is, why do they have their own tea drinking practices and how did it evolve? So, when I was like exploring all these things, the preconceived notion of a Philippine identity as, as, as a, not a tea drinker is slowly being challenged or not even actually doesn't really apply once we look at various localities in the Philippines. And we are actually a herbal tea drinking country. And this is even more, this is, okay, okay now this is even the most, the exciting part that I hope, I hope I could really work out in the future. When I was roaming around also Cordillera, we did found old Camellia sinensis trees. Wow. Uh, Ibaloy, uh, some Ibaloy friends of mine up there in Benguet were actually been using generation. And they've been just drying green tea plants out of their backyard. And they're using actually part of the old tea trees for firewood. And, but some of them have been just using it to dry it for their own, for, as an alternative to coffee if they want to have tea. So there you go. Like, we do have... Camellia sinensis just growing wild in some backyard of our rural folks out here. So they are tea drinkers. So I guess what I'm saying is even the Camellia sinensis plant is existing here and is being consumed domestically by, by certain groups, by certain islands or areas in the Philippines. So there's just so much to discover, actually. I bet. So, like, historically, where... I mean, as a herbal tea, um, like where, like, histor yeah, historically, where where do we lie in history when, when it comes to this herbal yeah. tea? Historically, when it comes to at least the tea drinking industry, or what to call, going back to the Camellia sinensis as the base plant for green tea, black tea, yellow tea, we haven't really developed that. 
because we were no we were, Philippines is not colonized to produce that. The Spaniards, Americans at the time, their export product are not tea, right? Their focus probably before would be coffee and cacao, especially the Spaniards. Compared to our Southeast Asian region, for example, uh, Indonesia, the Dutch, or uh, if you look at um, even Malaysia, British, Thailand, French, somehow, the, the colonial master brought tea as an export mm-hmm. commodity for this for these countries. Our colonial master at that time, sorry for that word, did not bring tea. They just in concern about Spaniards are concerned about coffee and and and, and, and cacao. That's mm-hmm. why also in terms of we're talking about hundreds of hundred years, we did not really have that kind of colonial industry to begin with compared to the South, other Southeast Asian countries. So we didn't really get to produce that as 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 as, as a in terms of agriculture or in terms of industry, right? Um, but what stayed for us, if we're not using Camela sinensis, and uh, I don't know, we can ask more anthropologists about this, uh, but definitely we know that in the Philippines is um, because of our biodiversity, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so much access to our tropical biome, the rainforest, they call it, uh, the rainforest uh, biomes happening here. There's so much access uh, to various types of plants that um, our old folks during their time were able to use not just for for medicinal care but really for food and all. So I def we have yet to see though how the Philippines is trying to capitalize its tropical biodiversity. I, I kind of think they're able to use this at the bio at the pharmaceutical at the food supplements areas when we've seen already a lot of endemic plants here being used for 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 uh for for uh, food supplements like banaba for weight management for diabetes we have seen lagundi have you seen lagundi ron have you tried lagundi I, i've i've heard of it so lagundi is also an emerging actually plant here for as a as a throat reliever um, of course, the Merrick is here, but there's so much more uh, medicinal plants. And I think that's also supported by the government on how we support local plants. But I think that's a very, um, not just in the Philippines, I see that also really happening, The our diversity being supported, being translated to, to local economy. Even, for example, Thailand, Indonesia, this Southeast Asian tropics are starting to really build on their biodiversity to create more wellness products. But particularly for the herbal tea now, which we're trying to focus on, I think that's a fresh and a new path to keep working on. And we, we hope, inshallah, we, we want to continue elevating our herbs into, into a lifestyle drink, keep discovering more and more ingredients. I think it's still a, it's, it's a fresh path. It's a, it's a new path and something more to discover along, alongside what drinks we can make, what, what recipe you can develop, what herbs you can introduce, especially, for example, now where I'm working on Lagundi. Lagundi, yeah, really sure. is nice. yeah. Lagundi, Lagundi is actually, so I, I kind of see, I think it's, it's, it's also prevalent in the Southeast Asian tropics, but it's really an established medicinal plant here for, for, uh, for a lot of good things, like, for example, relieving throat, uh, trying to improve breathing, good for stomach uh, upset 
but the thesis is it's 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 quite unique. It's it's quite it's it's there's a body in it like closer to black tea, but it has a nice sweeter taste to a green tea. So that's something I'm I'm working around. Uh, of course, you know some pagita. Yes, yeah, some, so some pagita flower. I mean, it's actually I heard it's coming from the jasmine flower, uh, the jasmine flower family, but it definitely has a certain distinct aroma if you use it compared to the typical jasmine. So we're also interested in using that. Um, so uh, recently also, there's all types of nice heirloom rice, particularly in my in the in the in in my home region in Cordillera, especially in the Ifugao region, where the rice, the, um, the UNESCO rice terraces has been located and the Ifugaos had a wonderful uh, stock knowledge of their heirloom rice to develop. And it's, there's the aromatic rice also to just develop into a, into a tea ingredient, like how does Japanese do it with their, with their, uh, with their sencha, right? They're putting yeah. rice in their green tea. So yeah, I guess the word is, oh, there's so much exploration. Less are not yet, people are not yet looking into that, at least here. So we want to start continuing that lead and just keep discovering every island, what, what ingredients we can further uh, discover. Yeah, so I mean, it's it also sounds like if it, you know, if these are herbal teas, right? So could you easily say that it's been around for much longer than than what you than what you know right now, right? Oh yeah, we're definitely building on local knowledge of of Filipinos. And again, I just keep banking on on the Cordillera region because that's my home region. It's just Luzon. This just one region. We mm -hmm. haven't been talking about the Visayas traditions, the multiple islands of Visayas, nor the Mindanao ways of using herbs. So part of 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 at least my personal inspiration is actually linked to travel pre-pandemic, right? When I get to travel a lot, especially um, in my home region, and you get to also discover the own practices on how they use the, the herbs. Actually, the term, Ron, is actually botanical, at least for Chaalaya. We, we want to do the botanical infusions. We want to keep, in, because herbs just is concerned about herbs, right? In the mm -hmm. Philippines, there's still a lot to do with root crops, the crops, turmeric, ginger, and all types of ginger here, there's still to do with that. We have fruits, all types of dehydrated fruits that we can convert into a tea ingredient. We also have cacao, different types of cacao, not just the cacao butter that we use, can actually be used. We have our grains, the adlai, the heirloom rice. That's also something to be explored. Um, and other than if we found our own local camellia sinensis to develop. So we're really talking about diversity of ingredients here and the you know the the exciting permutation that we can come out, out of these ingredients yeah i mean uh, i just i just want to hit the topic of like you know how how long have we had and i, I keep on saying herbal but mm. the the correct term is botanical yeah, I think it's botanical. Yeah. We, at least for us in Shalai, we're now trying to understand the language of botanical ingredients, the usage of various plant parts, other than the leaf or other than a herb, all types of plant parts that we can explore uh, as an infusion. But um, I guess, 
what, what I'm trying to uh, put across is how long do you think we've been in this yeah. uh, either um, herbal or botanical? Uh, how long has Philippines it had it? Yeah. Oh, I think definitely. If you talk about this is a pre-Spanish, a pre-colonial knowledge, I can I can make assumptions on that. Yeah. Um, and if you go, if you get back also to a number of of studies made, there's a lot. I think most in even the span uh, the um, the the Spanish times, the the Spanish scholars were able to identify local plants as being used by by the folks. You know, by by the you know by the colon you know uh, during the pre-colonial times, there's already uh, documentation of of local medicinal uses, right? So definitely, this is this type of usage. If you compare it to Chinese way, like the Chinese traditional way, really talking about Filipino traditions, old old traditions of of um, of using folkloric uh, plants for for not just for medicinal, but really for wellness practice. And we can dig further. I mean, how in the Philippines, like, I think we're coming up with, with this exploration, like if India has Ayurvedic medicine, right? Hmm. Or if, uh, or uh, I don't know, sorry, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but if India has their Balinese way of, 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 of wellness practices, let's talk about China having that. Definitely, we, we have, there's, a body of ancient or pre-colonial knowledge that we have yet to further understand, and to at the same time to build on in the Philippines, where we this is the this herbal tradition we're talking about, the the, the stock knowledge on on herbal practices, not just tea drinking, like you know the term hilot, yeah, 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 the, the term haplas or the suob thing, right? All this type of of uh, of wellness philosophy. We are definitely talking about old Filipino knowledge here, um, but that's for the tradition. If you're asking about um, for the practice of at least for the industry level, Ron, yeah, when it comes to like in the Philippines, if we're able to establish uh, industry players now or at least businesses thriving on on further elevating herbal teas, I think uh, they've been there. There's Usually, the herbal teas in the Philippines have been existing for a while. It's just that they are situation marketing wise a drink. If you just it's it's for the sick or for the geriatric, it's really never elevated as a lifestyle drink. You want to just keep repeating, or you just want to keep pairing to your, to, to your daily practices. What do I mean? We tend, uh, I think decades, decades before, we tend to just, I personally tend to associate herbal teas to pito-pito culture, right? I'll just drink herbal tea when I feel sick. Or uh, it's not really cool. It's basically not cool to to, to just, you know, consume herbal tea. Other than that, it doesn't taste good because most, of course, of the herbs, the, the bitter, the better, right? In terms of medicinal function. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the current pivot now is, how we we both balance both the the medicinal function, the wellness function of it, with a culinary value that you can still enjoy it, right? So that is a pretty new thing. I I believe so. That's a pretty new thing of starting to try to to to, and this is where Chalai wants to to take the lead, and I think we're the one who's trying to to initiate that. How to keep using herbal teas now, as uh, to elevate it not just in terms of 
of of introducing it, but playing around so that it's actually nice to consume it. It's, it it tastes good. Other than you will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I gotta admit. I mean, like I said, you you weren't here when Denise was sampling some of the teas that that she had brought, and uh, we were you know playing around with it, you know, putting it in nitro, icing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was, yeah, it's like pretty, pretty good. Um, it's definitely made me enjoy the tea a little bit more now. You know, there's this particular herb that I really want my mom to consume because she's diabetic. You know, banaba. Have you tried banaba? Mm-mm. Actually, it's I've seen that being used with a lot of global tea brand now and even in the pharmaceutical. Very endemic somehow to Southeast Asia. It's a powerful plant for weight management for diabetes but it doesn't it just tastes bad it just doesn't taste good <laughs> so or actually even lagundi lagundi you should taste it it's just you know it's too bitter it's like bitter gourd ampalaya pakla mm-hmm. yeah so i think that's where the innovation comes from is if you want to introduce these herbs how do we really enjoy it to be joyful drinking right rather than just the wellness side of it so what we did in Chalaya, we we definitely work our own recipe here, match it with other local herbs to smoothen the the, the bitter edges, uh, play with some notes, uh, to just really make it you know to to play around with the bitter edge or other than the the rough body of the herbs and and just make it really in 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 a pleasurable tea. So um, I think that's still a fresh take for for wanna keep. Uh, taking the lead on, you know, um, yeah. You guys are definitely in the lead. I, I don't know anyone else that's doing what you guys are doing uh, with 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 these herbal teas. Um, I mean, I'm so glad that I found you guys. <laughs> you know, and like, and you guys definitely stuck around. Um, yeah. You know, so the 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 personal dream of mine is also like if you and we've seen that in some countries breaking through their like identifying their their nation to a to to a type of herb like you know rooibos right yeah yeah, rooibos, yeah. i think south africa did that right you can mm-hmm. link rooibos can be found in south africa and i think i hope i'm right but rooibos will always be identified by, by the south african origin because they're the one who introduced it to the global market um same thing with yerba mate Right, I don't know what country. Sorry, with the Latin America, in South America, but we know it came from some from from South America. But what country is that? But definitely, you can associate to that origin. So there's so much, you know, both work and excitement. If we could just put it out there, there's more herbs to discover here, uh, and in terms of taste and 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 wellness function. I don't know if that's the Gundi. That's banaba, or that's some other weird name here uh, of plants here. But uh, that's a nice dream to keep, you know, to just keep pushing through. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and, and that's where you guys come in and, and make these um, not tea or herbal teas that don't taste good to make them taste good. Yeah. Exactly what you're saying, right? It's you want to make it a lifestyle thing. Yeah. And it, it seems like you guys are in, in the direction of, you know, making it and exposing it for for what it is and what it could do um so so would you say that historically it's been i guess these teas have been around since uh spanish colonization 
Is that is that definitely is that... definitely? I mean, uh, I, for sure, uh, we're talking about um, deep deep tradition in the Filip- among the Philippine Islands, and def- uh, we can definitely even link it to indigenous knowledge, to our indigenous peoples, and and uh, to um, this have been ongoing practice that we want to learn from. You know, I'm um, again. I'm just talking about the Cordilleran region. We here in the Philippines. Even the taxonomy of plants, you know, that is just so rich and diverse. In fact, there's so much work to also in terms of of understands understanding, recording the taxonomy of our local tier for biodiversity. Uh, there's still so much work to do for that. For the, but if you get to know more of of, of of the local plants and couple it with the indigenous knowledge that came from it. There's, there's just so much exciting applications that we can learn from that, uh, both for not just for our tea and culinary, but also for the bigger practices of wellness, right? And yeah. culture. So uh, I guess during during your journey, Jumir, when when you did start, what did that look like? Like, was it, I think you were mentioning something about like doing, um, serving the tea and in the hot sun mm. is that is that how you started the the company like you were um where were you selling it uh, i didn't want to go back to those days <laughs> <laughs> no but I think I people, people, entrepreneurs. oh gosh yeah, yeah yeah i want people to hear that because like you know what i mean like you, you're in a different place now you're 10 years later in the game but like in the beginning People need to hear what the yeah, start was, right? Kidding. It's just wow. Like I mean, we, we can we can relate to that, right, Ron? You building up your own uh, coffee startup and what for sure just have to go through just to you know uh, test the market, let the market know about your product. But yeah, I only have a hundred thousand at the time. I'm I'm you know the usual twenty-ish, late twenty-ish. Full of anxiety and how to figure out things, right? Like yeah. I don't know. Oh, parang you just probably because I think what care it was just passionate about the idea and I'm just excited about the tea. But yeah, I mean the the humble beginning really just um started in bazaar, like putting up bazaar here in Manila. But what's the beauty of that is you really get to interact and meet the people and see the actual faces and hear the actual comments yeah. about your tea. And yeah, I'm a bazaar boy, and I'm not just—I'm just kidding a while ago. Like, it's just that, you know, the whole bazaar thing—you uh, get to prepare, you get to prepare the products before, you know, pack or teas and all, and then there's you just have a few hours to tip. You have, the next day, you just have to set up again. You know, it's it's yeah. basically a one-man team. So, um, but then again, I think I can always—that's a very important. I think if every entrepreneur would like to do that, I would recommend it because you really get to see the people and to actually see the face of your market. It's so uh, in during the early years there again here in the Philippines, there's this before there's this uh, community also of entrepreneurs bonding together, putting up bazaars, having pop-ups. Yeah. And uh, we get to band together to help us, you know, uh, get some spaces and, with that kind of encounter, you you definitely see 
si you know um actual um people to 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 really try it out and one of the biggest break if i remember one of the bazaar is actually steve benitez the the owner of Bose coffee and he just met me in in, in one of the bazaar and uh and i got to happen to just pitch the teas to him out of nowhere he's his 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 so so with the tea at the time Mm-hmm. But then he just gave me an audience to present once more in his office and he gave his comments on how to improve. And there it goes. Like we had a partnership for almost a decade. We've been a supplier. We've been supplying some some teas with Bose Coffee. I mean, all there's hundred coffee stores nationwide here in the Philippines, and they have yeah. some abroad. Um I mean, I wouldn't have that kind of and, and Steve had been a mentor to me now, and uh, really giving advice how to keep improving the teas and how to and it's definitely there are they have been our platform in 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 putting our product for cafe use in innovating also a recipe that really tend to a wonderful relationship with with with, with both coffee and so in this bazaar i mean the the you know that's the randomness of it all of just meeting people around you get to create meaningful connections around it right you get to meet uh later on to be advocates and champion and believers of, of the brand. So that's really the, the you know, the, um, the humble beginning of it all. It's, no, it's, and, and that's why and that's why I wanted you to talk about it because yeah, I, yeah. I honestly, I, I love hearing that. And, and other people will love hearing that too because it's, it's the same story that I have. Like, yeah. I, did, I didn't have a brick and mortar, right? You know, and and I only had that when I opened during the pandemic, and I started off in a farmer's market. So, you know, so it's almost a similar story, but, you know, knowing that it's this exact same thing that you said right now, you met, um, you said Steve uh, Benitez, right, for for Bose. I mean, if you if you didn't, if you didn't do that, you, you it would never had happened, right? Like, but it's the funny like something... thing is, when, when we were doing, during the early days, when during our first bazaar, it's just, you don't really, do, do, I'm trying to understand myself before, do we really know where this will head will, will head to? Like, will, will this be heading to something sustainable or bigger? I guess at that time, I was just, oh, this is interesting product. I want to play around. I'm just probably the joy of, of selling my product. I didn't really see it yet building into a long-term brand later on. Mm-hmm. And I do want to reconnect back to that joy about the brand. And sometimes, almost, yeah, you're right, about almost a decade ago now. And now you're in the stage of scaling up the business administration of it, right? You get to be bogged down by by, by all, all of it. But it's nice, yeah, right, you're right, to be reminded of of the joy of your own product. And yeah, I mean, that it, just push you through it into the unknown days of bazaar, right? Well, well, I think you know the the. I mean, this is the main reason why I do the podcast, right? Is I want people to hear like people's beginnings because the the hard part is for some people is to understand when to start, how to start, or just start. You know what I mean? Like you have to eventually start and and just and just pull the trigger and and just do it already. Yeah, Stop talking yeah. about it and, and just do it. Well, honestly, um, it was also like there's a level of being ridiculous or being just not knowing what will happen here, but just 
enjoying what you do. Oh yeah, you, for sure. The passion of it all. I mean, people. I mean, my parents and my earlier partners were like, "What are you doing? Where will this lead up to?" Yeah. And you also really have. I mean, the early days really had a lot of, of of questioning. Why am I putting up bazaars, and why am I testing this product for? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you get to get back to your own why, and your own, and your own. And I'm just passionate about this. And yeah, this is yeah. Really true about it. So I think you're right. So I would definitely honor that, although it's hard. But I would definitely honor, it. and it's something to continuously remind me of myself. For sure, like it, it, you, you wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't be the same person if you didn't go through that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, and you know what? When we start building on bazaar, as I said, like now there are. I remember also in one of the bazaar now, like uh, you know, um, you know, SM here, SM. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're the big one. They're the big malls here. Yep, yep. One of the the big, you know, that the owners, Mrs. C, Mrs. Cosin C. Actually, ask her agents to track us down and, and in, in one of our bazaar and, and tell us we want they want us they want us in in her store. So that's also the opening why we put already their product at SM Cultura. You know, it, it's in all their her SM Cultura, and they have been a supportive retail partner as well here, here locally. So um, yeah, I guess it's really with the bazaar that you get to be visible. That's also a lot of the break that happened later on when we started to get into the into the food industry scene. What I mean is into the restaurants and cafe scene. When we start meeting chefs, meeting restaurant managers while we're doing our bazaar, and they wanted the tea as part of their menu. So there's the next leveling up on that, right? Uh, so yeah. Yeah, it's it's sorry, you just asked me to go back to memory lane. So there's a mixed emotion of gratitude and no, and dude, that's why I do. I, I have read, to because, like, uh, but there's so many, a lot of which is just so many, a lot of, of funny things going on on my late 20s, putting up my store brand, I'm putting up my pop up stores, and yeah, now I like to do it again. Yeah, I would like to do it again now once we start opening here in the Philippines for our pop up stores. Yeah, I mean, so I guess how does it look like, you know, for you over there right now? So you're saying you have a a factory, right? Yeah. Um, We were we're able to, we we have to because we we need to scale up and also to finish. Of course, here in the Philippines, we we need to come up with our FDA licenses, right? All Mm -hmm. this because we already have, we're starting to go for manufacturing. So... Our next stage of growth is, at least internally, we are able to finish our own uh, factory of a bigger scale and also of, of a licensed manufacturing with, with the FDA. So we're now ready also to start growing scale for, for exports soon and also here expanding the distribution line for the retail. Um, if I actually, um, if I may share also, Ron, if, if I go back lang to, to, to your question of how we started, I think one thing we also need to f- at least to identify in the Philippines is the the financing support, the the financing environment for for social enter- enterprise, or even for particularly for social enterprise, not for the IT based tech based startups, has yet to mature. And I think I'm one of the few social enterprises who were able to have that kind of of financing support, you know, and there are people around that. 
that also like peace and equity with the time we have the BPI foundation that also created financing support for 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 the social enterprises particularly those who are really purpose driven and have community uh, livelihood and if i would couple that with our with our sales strategy humble humble sales strategy at the time is it's time to scale up and talking about operating capital and, and, and growing the business. We are quite also, I mean, maybe because of time, we have we we we're, we were we are in a we I don't want to say lucky, but there was an opportune moment to really have that kind of environment here now in the Philippines of coming up with financial investors, grant providers to support social enterprises. Because compared to, let's just say, tech startup, you know, that it's it's easier to to, to ask them to go with that. It's, it's social enterprises is, is hard because you still have community organizing and a lot of different community training to do, which is inefficient or cost inefficient for 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 venture for venture investments, right? Mm. So that's also at least here in I, I don't know now on the post pandemic if how will that kind of, of community of, of of financing environment will will be able to support social enterprises but for us I think it's also good that we were able to find investors more so value investors of shared values other than capital who really understand social entrepreneurship and our commitment to community livelihood so along the way, if I'll just share one one instance, you know, for a hundred thousand, we have to build up to have a factory. You know, uh, there was a time that where do we get investors to support? And I happened to meet uh, from Ateneo, Anatan, who in a grocery buying beef, and she happened to 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 link me up to to a Singapore Impact Investment Exchange program for for social entrepreneur entrepreneurship so we got that kind of investment break from them and put up a new round of, of, of a new facility so i guess what i'm saying is also for the startups out there if there's anyone listening yeah if it's time to scale up it's definitely we need to be on the lookout for the right investor with the right values to share with as we grow the company because especially for a social enterprise the challenge is not really just to because of the goodness and, and the mission, that shouldn't be an excuse for really being profit-oriented and really being financially sustainable. So uh, it's just a double challenge for social entrepreneurs that we can continuously deepen our impact for, for the jobs that we create, but at the same time juggle that well with being being more uh, profit Profit oriented, financially efficient, and, and and really financially sustainable. So, so how many how many people um, do you work with right now at, at uh, Chalaya? Yeah. So we have our. I think currently we are now having about four. We're developing four former herbal communities, but the flagship community. When I mean flagship, the where we developed the full value chain of production from herbal farming to tea processing to tea packaging is happening is at Kalawan. Kalawan, where I think we're supporting currently about 30 tea makers, 20 to 30 tea makers. Wow. Uh, and then a number of farmers as well of about 50 herbal farmers in that area. 
So that's just for Kalawan. We're expanding now with the uh, Tai Rizal area, trying to support uh, indigenous people there by using some of their local crops as well, like ginger and also lagundi. And uh, uh, I think they're, they're, they're also a, a group of farmers, maybe around 20 farmers. We're also supporting somewhere in Batangas through the Mayani. It's also another social enterprise, a partnership with Mayani. So basically, we're starting to help us. We're trying to help also uh, partner with local social enterprises here or uh, basically uh, farm-based enterprises. We are working with Mayani for Batangas community, for the Lagundi and Ginger. So uh, they have their own group, about 20 farmers more. We're working with Shereza, which is another social enterprise, working with farm organizing, uh, working with indigenous people of Taytay. Uh, these are the two, and I think we're working also with indigenous people with Mindoro. So there's a new community we're building. So the vision run is, of course, as we keep building our market, as we are able to get support uh, from from people like you guys, so restaurants, cafe, retailers out there. As the price formula is simple. We want to keep increasing our market for Chalaya. So we keep increasing our organiza- organizing community livelihood to more and more herbal communities. And uh, the, the vision really is to decentralized supply chain which means we want to do in each community that they just don't farm because the processing of the tea so that there's more jobs happening in a community so we want them to process the tea itself technology of 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 tea manufacturing with them so that there's more at the same time that kind of process we also ensure freshness of the product because if you process the tea right away like you don't stock it like once our policies upon harvest, that's the time you process it. You actually have an edge in terms of the product quality because you get to also uh, preserve the fresh aroma and the, pres- the, the, the flavor of, of the herbs once it's being processed upon harvest. So we want to keep doing that kind of supply chain and hopefully uh, replicating more and more uh, herbal processing communities in the Philippines. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I think you should be honestly proud of yourself Jameer for you know doing this for the Philippines like you're you're just growing the brand and and exposing it um yeah I, I just think I have so much to learn from you man <laughs> you know well, thank you thank you Ron yeah it's something always to yeah yeah sorry like man because I'm already at the mood of uh, always sometimes you get in the mood of troubleshooting an administration right I mean, I know. Already, it's scaling up, but yeah, this this kind of talk reminded me of of your why as well. Why why we do this, yeah. and what yeah. is again passionate about it. Yeah, I mean, um, and thank you, thank you, thank you for for sharing the pride. <laughs> oh no, for sure. Like, uh, I, I think I was telling Denise, I you know that's why we we definitely support you guys for sure. Like I said, um, the more I, I think about it, right? I think about it in, in terms of how can, how can I put, you know, Philippines on the map for for people to to get to to look at us in a different light, you know? And it, these these are these are the things that will do that, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I remember one puzzle Steve Benitez of Boost Coffee told me: if we want to go global, and free not really just keep pushing Philippine identity. And he gave, because when I was developing the recipe, I tend to harp on being local, being Filipino, 
Mm-hmm. Then he gave it. He gave me the puzzle. Like, how do you promote Philip being Philip? How do you promote your Filipino ingredients by being beyond Filipino? How do you like? How do you showcase your Filipino roots, but at the same time trying to be global? Hmm. So that's like always like a puzzle as well when we're developing the recipe. Uh, is that something you 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 bump into? And how you how are you able to? I also also would like to learn from you. I've seen the the site and your product list. The the the, your ground control, I check it on the website, Ron. Yeah. Um, and I've seen you really being uh, into the Filipino pride and, and really just showcasing the roots in a different way, in an innovative way, right? So how do you like think about that, of promote, promoting your Filipino roots, but at the same time, really making unique? Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think for me, the, the way how I look at it, right, is what did I grow up? grow up on as a kid and how do how do i infuse that with coffee or you know what i mean it's really easy to think about the the recipes that we do because it's like it's just like forcing our culture into into this world Hmm. i think in the philippines i I don't know how it how that looks because that is our culture right Hmm. but here people don't know our culture Uh right so uh and i I don't know it's it's hard to explain it's just what i feel right but for some reason it it it, it's like other people that are non-filipino or like from other countries see it and they're like whoa what is this like Uh like uh one of our drinks that we do is uh is has milo as as a you know it highlights milo you have Milo there? Yeah. I thought it was just the Philippines. So you're selling okay. Yeah, so we 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 have a Mount Milo and it's a Filipino mocha that we do. And there's there's so many people that they're asked, you know, oh they haven't drank it in a long time. Or they you know, some other people from other countries have recognized it. So it, I, I think it's just like whatever I'm you know, in my mind, it's just stuff that I had when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, then it's just, just in, bringing in our our memory and our experience into this. Yeah. Because yeah. because obviously here we don't have a cult like we're we have to build our culture versus versus like you know in the Philippines like yeah you're Filipino and you're in Philippines right so it's 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 very different. Well, you, yeah, you would have to do it the other way around. I don't think it's not much different, even for local <laughs> Filipinos here in the Philippines. They are also like, uh, they're also like, how do I say, uh, not yet, maybe sort of weirded out. Now, oh, this is Philippine produce. Oh, we have it hit here. Like, dude, this just lemongrass <laughs> or pandan mm. growing in the backyard. We just happen to process it. Yeah. So, yeah. even actually for whether, uh, for, 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 uh, Filipinos in Philippines are actually surprised that we can have our own uh, tea products, and we can because for a while it's, it's also a knowledge that it's all imported, right? Mm-hmm. And um, 
that there's something that we can transform of our local herbs here you can find in your backyard into into a unique into a unique ingredient you know into a unique uh, drink experience um, so it might be a good thing because well that's a challenge right like because it's a new thing it, it's it's also a way how you communicate about it but at the same time tapping on actually of a shared experience like what do I mean like I always like pandan because it's something we we attribute to sinaing you know the rice we put it there it's a sweet thing um or the, the lemon ginger related to our salabat drink. So it's also tapping on some level of nostalgia. Yeah. On some memory. Exactly, yeah. And actually those memories is also what makes us passionate, right? Because it's our own experience. Partly rooting it also with our own identity of this is how we grew up with, with these days, right? Mm-hmm. And and maybe probably when one thing that I'm but maybe again excited is when I start checking on now going back on actual tea practices in my coordinating region when they just really use rice as an, an alternative to coffee. Or I heard Visayas from Mindanao uses grounded corn as an alternative to coffee. That's another case actually of a botanical uh, tea ingredient to use. You said corn? Yeah, corn. I heard oh. corn as well. So, like not the leaf, right? But the actual like the the, the yeah the kernel, the kernel? The, corn, the kernel, the kernel. But I also saw some. I have to get back. Like how they call it, the silk part. They kind of just boil it mm-hmm. and yeah. use it for the drink. So that's that's another. I've seen a similar way in Korea using the corn silk. Huh. Uh, so, but but how is it so far? I would like to run to 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 just learn from you as well. Like you said, uh, when when they try your beverage that showcase Filipino ingredients or at least Filipino inspired recipe. Mm-hmm. What's the impression? Like I heard they're, ex- they're surprised they're this, this, this Filipino, did you think about that or uh, are they curious about? Yeah. I, I think, I think the, uh, the, the hard part here is that they don't believe that there is like for example like filipino coffee right yeah. they, they they have no record there's nothing that talks about that here so that's why we want to expose that we're like hey what are, what are you guys talking about like we've had coffee since the late 1700s or whatever right yeah 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 and, and it's the same with teas or, or the herbal or botanical part so we're talking about spanish colonization when that happened uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so i guess it's like a double-edged sword it's like because no one is yet doing it, it's like a good mission to, you know, advocate for it, right? Oh, no. Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, there's also a challenge of, I don't know, like, it's not Thai iced tea. Or it's not, or it's not, uh, it's not an, uh, you know, um, an Ethiopian coffee. Yeah, but it, it's so weird. Like, the, the, the you know, our shop, it draws... It, it draws um, the curious people. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, what is this? And then then they go down that rabbit hole exactly the way that I did, and they fall in. And they're like, whoa, what is this? I'm like... Because that's, that's discovery, that's, right? That's discovery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... That's actually something, I mean, optimistic and also a good prescription on, on just keep you know, making our identity 
and our products more and more visible because it adds to the experience, right? There's a new experience, whether with the flavor notes of the Philippine coffee, that they're trying from you. So like, uh, that can also like uh, give an advice for all other Filipino entrepreneurs out there to, I mean, there's so much, there's so much way to to promote our products and let the global market understand it and and and, and you know spark curiosity and creativity with with our products. No, no, I mean, there, there's so much. I mean, like I said, I I honestly think we're scratching the surface here. Yeah. When it, when it comes to like flavors of the Philippines, that's you know, a good that's a good uh, advice to like hope other people like me should should you know continue on scratching the surface. Yeah, I mean, especially here, it's breaking through now. Yeah, keep breaking through. I, I've seen a lot of craze there of ube. Oh, you know? dude, yeah. But that that that's really deep, you know, because I'm from Baguio, and you know, are, are the ube of Good Shepherd. You heard about Good Shepherd Ube? Mm -mm. Like people line up. Of course, it was made for a tourist, but it really made for. It's already uh, um, how they call it an institution in my in my my mountain city of Baguio. For you to get there, you get to line up and just buy Ube, and this it was made by sisters, nuns, and you can only buy two jars of Ube per person. Wow. So we have like deep deep authority with Ube. We can say that for Philippines, right? I don't know if other countries are trying to like uh, uh, capitalize that they're the obi ube, but ube will be identified with Filipinos. Is that right? Yeah. No, I mean it's it's like so popular here. So and this is one case, right? Of the and ube. and and, <clears throat> and here's here's how it looks like here. Like there's a couple of stores. Um, major grocery stores that are carrying it now. Cool. But for example, uh, Americans there, I mean, the non-Filipinos, do they associate Ube with Filipinos? Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Oh, great. Yeah. I'm proud of that. Uh, I mean, it, like, this is like, like I said, we're, 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 we're slowly breaking through, you know? That's an example we broke through. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, that, that's just really nice. I mean... <coughs> Of course, where I'm coming from as a social entrepreneur is we, we get to establish our brand that's established market for us and we, we get to give back in terms of livelihood and to support farming and agriculture here. These are the crops coming from the Philippines, right? I saw one more about this. I forgot her name, but she's also a Filipino who's nice. Like She's a nice donut maker. I don't know. It's in New York. Like She uses ube and camote. Uh, and, and you know, even Kamote is something to to promote. You know. Yeah, I don't. I'm sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Have some water. Have some tea. Excuse I know. I, w I was drinking some tea right now, and I just kind of <coughs> it just kind of went down the wrong throat. Sorry. <coughs> Do you still have some of our stash? I do. I haven't used it yet. We 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 haven't um, done the R and D with the ground control yet. So let's just, let's, uh, we also have our own R and D now. Before I forgot, we're actually pivoting to a lot of cold brewing now, and at least for Philippines, run realize 
because Philippines is a hot country, right? Hot tea, yeah. it, it, it's really not, um, it's important, but at least in terms of cafe, restaurant industry sales, or even daily use, we forgot we want to do with the iced teas or the cold beverages. Because that's more frequently used. So now we were actually also playing around with cold brewing. And wow, like they're just so like cold brewing for 18 hours or trying to play around with more and more mocktails and even cocktails. And wow, there's just so many exciting recipes out there when you do cold brew. Yeah, we have a um, calamansi tea that we want to infuse with uh, uh, the burgau. Oh, it's the blue one? Yeah. The blue flower? Yeah, the bughau. Yeah. The bughau. It's the blue It's the blue ternate with the meat pandan. Yeah. Damn, that's interesting. It will turn something, right? It's acidic, so that will make it purple, no? Yep, yep. I'm trying to play around now with, with because I'm trying to play actually with ube. And how do you communicate the color, even as a tea? So that's something I hope to to crack as a as a, as a tea flavor. Um, some pagita I would like now to start working with some pagita because it has a different aromatic and uh, even also the t- the taste profile is, is is something unique, you know, for for the aroma. Uh, excuse me, uh, Jimmy. Hold on one second. Hold on. Sure, sure. <laughs> Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> I had to had to like get a drink of water. Good, clear, clear my throat. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you have a a lot to play with, right? Like you have um, you said ube. Yeah, I want to crack down that code. How do you do the ube? How do we do an ube tea? That that would be that would be nice if you could come out with that here. Yeah, be so many people interested. Yeah, and Sampagita. Arthur, do you see any trends like like after ube, some emerging Filipino-based ingredients again? I heard pandan was be before. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we have pandan. What are do you see any hot Filipino ingredients again coming up? Um, do you see that? Siling Labuyo? I don't know. No. But one. You know the but one? You heard about that? It's no. It's really the islands. They use it for... I, I, I don't know. I hope it's not me, but I I think they use it for for Sinigang for, or Sarsup, the but one. It's really nice. I've tried it before. There's... um, What's that? Uh, it's another... Yeah, well, cacao, of course, but um, there's another. Ah, man, I can't think of the the tea, or not tea, but it's another herbal drink that that's popular. 
Turmeric? Ginger? No, 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 no. Damn it. I can't think of it right now. No, no, no. From the Philippines. From the Philippines. Yeah. It's for like to treat uh, like to treat diabetes, I think. Oh well, one would be banaba. It's definitely for diabetes. Not um, not, not that. Let me check on that. But you know what? What's also unique in, in the Philippines? Same thing. I see also a resemblance with Thailand. At least Philippines, even with our government, with the Department of Health, we they have a practice of releasing medicinal plants. For, for for the use so every I, I saw the 10 medicinal plants in the Philippines so so definitely there's even with within our government structure there's a, an awareness of keep promoting and discovering local local medicinal plants uh, Thailand has a very rich um, application of of uh, folkloric medicine medicinal plants in their own health system as well that's why they even have now, I can say this. They even have now legalized marijuana, right? In 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 their in their healthcare system. Yeah, so does US. <laughs> so was <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Go, go, honey. <clears throat> so i guess what what is the what is the next plan for for chalaya now yeah next plan mm. what's the what's next. the next big thing for you guys i think it's time as you said, to start breaking through, you know, we, I believe we've also been trying to scratch the surface, even here, especially the Philippine market. But now I think we have our footing in the Philippine market, and we would, would like to start also um, having a global perspective on it, especially when we, we get to meet you guys, you know, Ron, and we... we I would like to link something. I would like to link is really I I do, I do send I do see a, a global trend of 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 young Filipino creatives, particularly in the food and beverage scene now, mm -hmm. has been really reconnecting with each other and pushing this wave. We want to be part of that, right? We want to support our uh, Filipino food creatives in in further showcasing, pushing what it means to have that Filipino identity in our food and beverage. So that's probably uh, at the global level. Um, we want to keep um, trying to to also support you guys on what ingredients are really unique because we've seen chefs and also uh, asking also what unique ingredients they can really explore um, and, and add it to you guys to really innovate it there and, and showcase in a different way but still maintain the Filipino origin of it and the story. Um, so definitely the vision is start to... Maybe more than Filipino origin is really understanding curation of botanical ingredients. And because we're coming from a biodiverse country, we are quite aware of, of the, the, you know, the diversity of ingredients, not just in the Philippines, but in the tropics area. So we, I personally want to see curation of, of various ingredients, even the camelicinensis from other countries or other local herbs from other countries and played around um, uh, to really 
uh, be, a, be a curator of, of botanical ingredients. But in terms of ano, um, uh, Midran, we definitely looking forward to more and more creatives like you guys, Ron, to, to use the brand, to use the ingredients into a memorable tea experience. And hopefully there's more to it. Um, in the Philippines, we're definitely um, trying to now go into making ourselves more and more accessible. Uh, what do we mean? Both online store and also with the retail physical line to at least develop also to continuously build the support in this local market, the Philippine market, domestic market about the brand and be a proud homegrown Philippine tea brand here. So we'll, uh, we will try to improve more of our retail presence in a number of our key stores here in the Philippines. Um, and at the same time, um, they will, I, I see Chalayam more and more as well for Filipinos or non-Filipinos to to see it as an ingredient that that it's part of innovating their, their cafe drink or their afternoon tea sets or their mm-hmm. or their merienda pairing. It's I would like to see them that chala is there that really gives them an extra experience, a new experience out of the tea. So uh we we definitely in the coming um years uh We'll be showcasing more uh, our cafe restaurants partners who are making creative use of it and trying to create a very distinct recipe, not just tea, not just beverage, but even for food application of, of, of the tea product. But then I there's the that's the product, right? Um, on the social enterprise side, we we want to continue deepening our impact. We want to commit to that. Uh, hopefully as long as the market will support us to keep organizing more herbal processing communities, especially with indigenous people and rural uh, rural farmers. So, um, and uh, we have our, we will be more ambitious. While we're ambitious with our market, we want to be more ambitious of increasing more support to, to Filipinos farmers here and, and particularly actually to, to women tea makers. Before I forgot, Chalaya currently... Uh, in terms of tea making, we want to dedicate that to, 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 to women employment because they're prone to job loss here. So we want to hopefully increase more and more tea makers, um, employment for tea makers here in the Philippines. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you have a, a bright future in front of you, uh, Jameer. I mean, you, you have the country's support, I, I believe. And, you know, with 7,000 islands, I, I'm pretty sure you have yeah. a, a big future ahead of you. Um, We're gonna make an island blend, like every blend for each island. <laughs> right. Um, I, I guess. <clears throat> do you have any encouraging words for, for you know, any entrepreneur out there right now? Yeah, you know, I I would like to build on what you said, Ron. I mean, you gave me also perspective. You know, a market there. I think. One major barrier for Filipino entrepreneurs, particularly Filipino entrepreneurs, at least in my case, would be the sense of insecurity, right? I mean, that's also linked to the identity. It's it's something weird to promote Filipino-based products or to, to wrap a Filipino story around it. But at least for our own story, for, 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 for Teofilo and for Chalaya, 
because we are authentic to our origin and to our own personal story as Filipinos, we get to discover local practices and local ingredients to make our product distinct. So it's one way just to say we're Filipino and we're local, but the next stage of our story is creativity and innovation, right? That, yeah, maybe this is Philippine-based, but look at what we can do about these ingredients. Mm-hmm. But I think, I just want to end with what you said. I mean, Filipino entrepreneurs are just scratching the surface and are really just scratching the surface now or really just breaking through? Are we at the moment of breaking through a global market? I, I do think we are. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like, like, like I was saying before, it's just, it's just, <clears throat> I don't know what it is. It's just maybe just more, more notice now. Uh, you know, in the past years, it wasn't like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even more so, more so now that we are free more than ever. I think we can also link this to, to this wave of Filipino, you know, diaspora, right? Of yeah. this identity of being global, but at the same time being disconnected to each other, to the to the island country, and to continuously search for, for what it means to be Filipino. Um, but I think there's this new way of reconnection, right? I mean, you're there in US, you're there in California, out of nowhere. We we get to be connected with this brand and we get to have a reason of continuously telling our story, improving our brand with each other and basically being a community as well. So yeah, there is, I do believe the entrepreneurs out there, we need to find more and more connection, you know? And, and yeah, we're, we're definitely going to, you know, we're, that's what we're here to do is to, to connect yeah. people to, to your brand and, you know, to share the same vision that, that we all have. Yeah. So. And just imagine yeah. the story, like, and the brand and the learning that get to be amplitude with your experiences there in U.S., with some entrepreneurs there in Australia, there in Europe, Filipino cafe, restaurateur in, in, you know, in Dubai, how our knowledge to be, get to be enhanced and understanding the global market. So, wow. Like, if we're able to harness this type of connections and sharing and, and, and lessons, I mean, very exciting ahead of us. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, I, I think it's like a, you have to be open to it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Jameer, man, hey, I appreciate you, dude. Like, Thank you, Ron. Um, and like, you should be very proud of yourself. You're in the double digit territory of being an uh, entrepreneur. And uh, yeah. I want to congratulate you. Thank you. And, and thank you for, for, you know, working with us. And you're going to see some crazy shit come out of our, our out of our shop with your tea. So j- just be ready, yeah. man. Just be ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's, let's update each other on that. We'll also share some of ours here. Yeah, some yeah ideas as well and thank you thank you ron for for being a platform for for you know a number of local brands here in the philippines oh for sure man this is this is the easy part jameer like i I wish i could do more for my people and i'm like i I tell people that that's my mission man i gotta i gotta change the country i gotta change it before i'm dead so I, i got a tougher mission it's definitely like in Star Trek, one impossible task at a time. But yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, but uh, all right, Jameer, thank you so much again uh, for yeah, jumping yeah, on the you. podcast, and uh, hopefully, 
you, you'll start seeing a little bit more traction with uh, some of the recipes we're going to do with the, the teas that you hooked us up with. Okay. See you soon again, Ron. All right, Jameer. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.